0: I'm Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and you're listening to Brits in the Big Apple with Hannah Young, Consul General.
1: You're listening to Brits in the Big Apple, and I'm Hannah Young. Alan Lynn used his lifelong passion for art to create Norwood, a home for the curious in the heart of New York City. Founded in 2007, Norwood is a private members' club providing a stylish and comfortable meeting, eating, and drinking haven. In the trendy chelsea district of manhattan the club draws its membership from the creative arts and in addition to basic sustenance aims to provide members with a salon of discovery through talks tastings and stimulating events as well as being an active sponsor of creative talent in the new york area alan welcome to brits and the big apple
0: thank you for having me
1: um, Alan, do you want to kick off by um, telling us how you came to New York City and, and maybe giving a brief overview of your um, career journey so far? Uh,
0: yes, yeah. so uh, you can tell I'm Scottish, born in Paisley. It's funny because I was, uh, as you can see from what's around my neck, I have broken my arm. Um, I, <laughs> I decided with my grandioseness that I was going to start my autobiography the other day. and I'm dyslexic so I began with the cover and the title (laughs) I thought I can work (laughs) backwards so it's called uh, I'm actually turned 60 on Thursday so it's called Alan 60 uh, New York London Ralston Paisley so that's it's all about my growing up and it says and the byline is a scuffle with them all
1: It's
0: a very Scottish term. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's fine. So I've got the I've got the title of the bio. Anyway, so yeah, so I was born in pa- uh, Glasgow, grew up in Paisley, um, did my first degree at Duncan and Jordanson College of Art in Dundee, uh, got a first class in illustration, uh, and then I was, the college actually paid for me to apply to the Royal College of Art, yeah. uh, went to the interview, stormed at the interview with, the, the, the professor said to me, we don't get many people from the sticks. <laughs> and I suppose that's always been my thing is, when you say things like, you go, really? Do you know what I mean? Like, anyway, so of course, Enfant Terrible gets in the art school. Uh, I did my three years uh, degree, and then I was student president for the 125th anniversary. Which is interesting because today's the 150th anniversary of the Royal Albert Hall sort of thing. So that must have been 25 Mm. years ago I did that. Mm. Anyway, so then uh, at the time Jocelyn Stevens, if anyone knows who he was, uh, was the rector. And he asked me to do public relations, did that. Uh, Certain events happened. My mother died of ovarian cancer. My father died the next year, got a job in a bar in Soho called Andrew Edmonds, which Andrew Edmonds in the business everyone knows is a tiny little restaurant that all the editors of Vogue, Vanity Fair, Merchant Ivory, all these people went there in the nineties and they would come in for lunch and would throw them out at 12 at night. Do you know what I mean? It was one of those institutions mm-hmm. for artists, designers. Do you know what I mean? Like the amount of crazy people. Anyway, so then I was pulled across to Blacks Private Members Club in Dean Street. Uh, I was the GM there for 11 years. So that was the time where the colony was a bit, had changed a lot. Uh, Grouchos was still there. We were the second club to open, so House was the Mm -hmm. third. And it was still that soulful rock and roll, crazy, can't tell you the stories without getting a good lawyer involved. Um, and every year is to go to Provincetown and write to get away from London. And I met a six foot beautiful Jewish psychiatrist on a dance floor and decided things had to change. So tried to get a job in America, uh, as a gay man, couldn't get a job. So we flew for three years back and forward. And after three interviews at Soho house, but they said I was too qualified. I said, I'll start my own club. So that was it. So sold my house in in Hackney, which was great because I bought it before Hackney was Hackney. Uh, Came across uh, and just walked the streets about with an idea of creating a a home in New York that was not a British club. It was somewhere for artists, musicians, writers to gather. Totally mm. egalitarian, and also about the alchemy of dropping different people in. So it wasn't a scene; mm-hmm. it wasn't who's who. So when we interviewed people, we'd go, "They're interesting. They're in," mm. because we didn't. They, you could end up with a club that was just full of people going, "Oh, hi, how are you?" I love. We used to do uh, club dinners once a month. We'd invite just twelve random members and they were nervous they'd be outside nervous because they weren't allowed to bring anyone then you'd put them at a table and I'd got them to tell my story then someone else would and then all of a sudden you could see people going oh I know her work I know he's the best graphic designer in the world it was never about fame yeah. so that was really the concept of the club from the start I worked with a wonderful Simon Coston who did all Alexander McQueen shows huh. and we raised the money for the club but we weren't told we had to put an elevator through so we were seven hundred thousand short of our budget so that was when we became really creative so simon and i were in flea markets we created our own furniture mm-hmm. and it gave the club its unique feeling about it to the point that we're going okay let's get a fragrance and Simon said oh i know the guy from the garden so they made the first fragrance so There was all these different things that were important to us that, hey, if we fall, we fall on our own swords, but let's go for it. So that was, we getting off the plane in 2005, we opened in 2007, we raised the money in the first year, we did all the works. We also took on a landmark building, which is a very difficult thing to deal with in New York, um, like a National Trust situation. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about that is it's all run by these white Presbyterian women, it's usually Scottish. So everyone else is trying to get an extension on their house, and I'd walk in and they'd go, "Oh, it's you. We love your accent." <laughs> <Like so. laughs> all of a sudden, I became much more dependent. My, my accent get heavier and heavier, and they passed everything.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So
1: the 2007, we
0: opened. We, I. It was important to me to have. A cast of New Yorkers, so people didn't think it was a British club, so our GM was Arthur Joni, who at that time was running Mercer Below, which was in the Mercer Hotel, Andre Bellager's place. My AGM was Mark Beneky. Mark Beneky was the guy that stood outside 54. Mm-hmm. and let the people in now, I was such a fan of New York at that time and every day I'm just go tell me another story <laughs> like of standing then or something would be happening say oh so there was Robert Mitchum in me and his I was dating his daughter and there's lies and I'm going stop 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 Everyone, shut <laughs> up listen to that story and then with billy lope who was in the door of the limelight in the 80s so it was a funny old crew Uh and then we found this crazy um she wasn't even a socialite her name was cassandra heusendroit and she sort of knew people with the same sort of aesthetics of just putting crazies together anyway (laughs) eventually she she, she didn't even want the name recruiter so we called her muse so, Cassandra came on as well. So, she ended up marrying Brad Gray. And I suppose it's like when I was at the Royal College, you no, know, Philip Tracy, the Chapman brothers, they were just people they were at college with. Yeah. So, there was nothing fancy about them. So, when I do see them, yeah. I love to bring them back down to earth and say, yeah, we were all drunk together in the art bar. <laughs> you know what I mean it's just I wow. admire what they do but don't get grandiose with me.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so
0: we up 2007 we get hit by the recession and we've been fighting our way because it's a very expensive building. Um uh covid hit and I think that like everyone else it sort of kicked the stool from underneath every business. And especially in my trade because it get hit, I think any of the entertainments get hit and the arts get hit worse than anyone else. And as much as I love my members, they could all disappear upstate to their houses, but there was so many people um, that I employed who didn't have those choices.
1: Mm. Did you have and to close during the pandemic?
0: We shut in March, we got PPP money in july and we opened in august Mm. because i had so many people who couldn't get benefits and Mm. things and they really supported me so we just opened i went back in the kitchen i've been doing chefing uh four double shifts a week till the arm broke and enjoying that and we're just i don't know where we are And that's really, I think, all you can do right now is just one go over that one day and feed people and welcome them back and try and do your best. But again, I think that's my philosophy for anything. I'm never gonna solve the world problems. But if I can do good for people around me in a smaller level, that works for me.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's an amazing story from the man who came from the sticks as they said. Um, <laughs>
0: for them, the sticks was Dundee. I didn't want to see Ralston Paisley. I mean, I was I was going down the wave when we began that one. Um,
1: you mentioned a couple of times that you didn't want Norwood to be a, a typical British club. And right. I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about what that means, particularly for people who might not have experienced a British club.
0: I think it's, uh, the person I learned this from was Dennis Seavers. Dennis Seavers was an American who came to London and he did the Georgian House in Spitalfields. Sometimes it takes somewhere from somewhere else to appreciate that city. And so it really was me loving New York to try and create something for them. It was a very much, I I always think of it as a gorillas in the mist. When we first got to New York, Gordon was opening up at the London and it was time out, it was like, the Brits are coming type thing. And they wanted to put me in there and I said, I don't want to be in there. And I said, why? I said, because it's not what I'm doing. Mm. I think with the Americans don't underestimate their own sophisticated sophistication. Mm. My thing was, as I said, let guerrillas in the midst have an idea, go forward, put it on the table, step back and let them come and discover it themselves when you shove it down the throat of oh this is a huge success in London people's backs go up because mm. mm. they go who who do you think you are <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. so that's what I I thought was the thing about Norwood is the home for the curious curiosity is worldwide it's not attached to any country mm. and then the word home everyone loves a home somewhere that as I say, with the smell, you walk in, you, you know your home. There's certain things like music and smell. You'll hear a record and you're back in that disco, church disco when you were 17. The other thing is you'll get a smell and you're in your granny's house and it's a pee and ham soup. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just, it, fold, it folds time more than anything. So it was very important for us to have those things that are unique to that building. And then people kept saying, oh, why do you become so high? Why do you do it elsewhere? And I said, no, because everything ran as homogenized. It used to be come to New York and you'd get your friends to bring you back a pair of Calvin Klein pack of three. And you were so excited to get a pair of white underwear.
1: Oh, my gosh, I'd forgotten about that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Or something something from the Disney shop, a Mickey Mouse T-shirt. Now you can get it everywhere, and so for me is with Norwood. We've got twenty three affiliates. Mm-hmm. We've got Club Matador in Madrid. I've never been, but it sounds amazing. I love the ideas. If you're a member of Norwood in New York, when you go to another city, so in London we had uh, Groucho's, Ivy, and Hospital. To me, very because I know the club scene, they're very different clubs. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. then other clubs in London said, Oh, can we be? Because there's no other affiliate there's no other clubs in New York but us and Soho House. Mm. So then we had all these clubs around the world going, We we want our members to come to New York. How do you want to? So we've looked at them and vetted them. So we ended up with 23 uh, to Mumbai, to uh, Adam Club in Amsterdam, the Chateau in Paris. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so when my members travel, what I get back from them is they're saying, "Oh, they treated us so well," because they're mm-hmm. so excited to have that. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same designer. And I'm not. And honestly, I don't. I don't knock house, but. If you blindfolded me and put me in a solo house in Chicago or anywhere else, I'd know a solo house. And that's my thing is just that, you know, when you're in Florence or something and someone said, oh, you've got to go to this restaurant and they make the best pasta and peas ever. That's what I want to eat.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, just to have, and those experiences are dwindling and dwindling. Yeah. So yeah. again, with Norwood was to keep it unique, keep it true to itself, not try and clone it or move it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Maybe do something different, but not just take it and run with it.
1: Mm-hmm. And it um, its ethos is very much around supporting the creative industries. Can you say a little bit more about what that actually looks like? How does that manifest itself at the club I
0: suppose with that was we'd get with the committee we'd maybe get five interior designers apply and there could be one that was really out this world but then we'd look and say but actually she's doing interesting work so again it's back to the alchemy of dribbling and also giving people a break to show the work that we think's worth it and it doesn't need to be a concert it could just that you have a young flautist, and they'll come into the dining room and play one song. And it's a teaser, but for that is someone might say, who was that? My thing is, is, is again about smashing people together, making them like with a club dinner. When Simon and I designed the furniture, we made it bigger than normal. So people had to share. (laughs) So what happens is you come in and it's huge furniture and you have to see someone, sorry can I sit here and they go yeah you're yeah, fine and then what happens is they eventually start talking if they're waiting for both each other and that could lead to an argument <laughs> it could lead to falling in love it could lead to collaboration but the way the world is right now we're all very distanced from each other with computers there's a difference when you sit on a sofa next to someone and you understand the space between each of you. Mm-hmm. You know when someone's crossed that line or when you're comfortable with them on that. And they, th- that's all primeval. It really is when you're standing there. And you'll know it if someone just is a bit too close to you. that how we know that. But a lot of time now we're not even being in the same room. And especially with COVID is we've not been in the same room. We've lost that connection right now of understanding sitting in a room and reading someone, but not just reading their face, reading their bodies. Mm -hmm. Because you can tell the way if someone puts their arms up or takes the cushion off the sofa and puts it in front of them, Oh, okay, maybe I'm crossing a barrier here. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than everyone trying to be nice in their faces and getting their backgrounds right and just, it's all false. We have natural instincts and that to me is about a home and it's like anything, you go home and your mom would say, how are you, say, I'm fine. She'd say, no, you're not. We read people. It's been years of us reading people, but you've got to be in the same room to read them. Mm.
1: And I should say, we're recording this over Zoom, and um, I, I have to say, listening to you there, it feels like I am literally sitting next to you, leaning probably a little bit too close to you. No, it's I'm right right leaning it's well, me that's... back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a, that's the truth. It's like you're not going, oh, know like, I mean, it is, because there is that. You do lean into people. You do understand that. And you can also tell when they're bored with you. <laughs> <laughs> when up. they start, when they're starting looking at their watches and <laughs> the looking at the be like, "Okay, yeah. maybe it's time to stop now." Okay, that's all my story.
1: And I didn't realise um, that there were only two clubs in New York, which feels, um, I mean, fantastic for Norwood to be so exclusive, but in such a huge city what what does that say well, about it, starting I mean, up a
0: business the is, so there were the, you've got the universities like you had the whites and all those ones mm. and how um you've got the century you've got um the one set up by um uh it'll come back to me i don't know whether they felt as if they needed it but again mm. that's not for me to judge mm. it wasn't something they Jump on um how
1: how hard is it to set up a business here i mean is it is it straightforward Well, you, uh, with,
0: with norwoods and also with Soha house it was a nightmare mm-hmm. is because during prohibition and this is only new york a lot of places called themselves clubs to have alcohol hmm. and they caught on to this so to be a private club you have to be a non-for-profit this could bore you to death for days but it's all about partner um management companies next so it's the same with harvard and all the universities they're not allowed to make money but they have management companies but this is unique to new york Mm. so that was difficult um and then manhattan being such a small space you then have the community boards and that is full of um rightly so people who don't want their lives changed
1: mm. they don't
0: they hear the word club and they're like I don't want a club and we're going no we weren't a club we're a social club <laughs> and they go what's the social and it's like okay fine let's <laughs> and then you just try and explain to them uh apart from that I think Again, back to what I said earlier. If you've got an idea, a they love it. B they can see themselves make money from, it. and so everyone's there to help you. Everyone's there to help you, which is good. So,
1: yeah. And how does that compare to your experiences in the UK?
0: Well, that's what I said when we uh, when we were talking before. Is I would never have been able to raise 4.2 million in London Mm. because it would have been schools, education, family, security, all those things that would have been in London that wasn't here because the people that lent me money, they made their own money. So they understand people who also make their own money is not about so did your father go to this school or do you know what I mean like mm. can you do the Mason's handshake I don't know <laughs> which is the one finger tucked in I think but don't give that away
1: and what's see I mean you talked about the pandemic and you're now open again um, which is great but where do you see Nord going what's your how, how do you keep it um,
0: I as I, and I, and I said earlier a I don't know because mm. We make her money in the third. So basically August to June, we make her most money because our members are in the Hamptons or and New York. New York was quiet in the summer. So we've just managed to open and everyone's disappeared again. <laughs> but they all still love the club. So I I have to rationalize a very expensive rent um, which up to now we have managed to pay. I don't know, I mean, right now I can get amazing buildings all the way around where we are. So take Norwood and chop it up. So we've got a screening room on the fourth floor. There's a building across the street with an old tattoo shop. I could put the screening room in there and build like a bleak, a beautiful sort of like uh, stadium seating that folds against the walls for comedy, for readings, for that. I could have a lounge in an outdoor area somewhere else. All that would be still cheaper than what I'm paying in the rent. So COVID has really given me a chance to think, okay, maybe it's time to leave that beautiful building because, mm. I always think as Norwood being like a great bottle of whiskey and the bottle's lovely but it's not the spirit hmm. and I think that spirit can go anywhere hmm. and maybe we can't afford that expensive bottle anymore but I can take that spirit and take it somewhere else with the same ambitions and dreams and all the things I told you about before of putting people together and seeing what happens.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, your, your values and your that creative spirit can- And there's a
0: difference now, because I came here 15 years ago with no reputation, and now I do have one, so it doesn't worry me now about doing that, because people have said, we'll back you. Yeah. We'll back you. So from the start of when nobody knew who I was, But it would need to be something that was right for the next move. Mm.
1: Sounds like a Norwood village
0: coming Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, are upstate, I'm upstate here in New York. And, no, I mean, I've got ideas of um, finding a space and building a greenhouse near a town and teaching the kids how to grow food and then having them cook food and having a restaurant do you know what I mean like yeah. and that's sort of very basicness of food learning about food but also oh god you don't even want to know I've got crematoriums in my head right
1: <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> yeah it's called here we grow where we it's in a big egg and wow. it's non-religious and um, there's four entrances and your body arrives and it's in you put tokens in it and then everyone leaves and then we plant you in the ground and then as you grow around there um we put a dvd not a dvd but uh, some sort of solar powered thing that tells people about your life because there's so many great lives that we don't know about
1: mm. Mm-hmm. And the
0: idea was twice a year you go and have a picnic and wander around and almost like re- see someone's life, the favourite music, the favourite songs, music, the favourite poems. and So I've got that as well going on.
1: Wow, that's incredible. It re- that really is a, uh, a sort of transposition from the Clippers uh, yeah. Club. But wow, how fascinating. And um yeah. Kind of quite out of body um, and and finally just tell us a bit more about what you love about New York I mean you've been here for a while now um, you know you, you, you're well established but what is it that why have you stayed here all these years?
0: Well apart from my husband because the whole reason was that <laughs> <laughs> to be with him and so actually if you come to the club there was a portrait done by the wonderful artist Gerald Burns who did Nicholas Sturgeon, me, Billy Conley, Brian Falk, June McGregor. And Jared said, How do you want to be painted? And I said, I want to be on the staircase because I hand colored the carpet. I wanted something deco that was unique, like the smell. So the carpet in the hallway is nowhere else in the world. And it's me sitting on it. And then At the Royal College of Art, my work was very huge, grandiose, black and white lino cuts. So I said, I want to reflect the work that I did, because when you see the painting, my work's behind me. So then on my lap is my dog, Angus Haggis, B Harlin because we're dog-friendly, not child-friendly. Anyway, so, and it's me holding my wedding ring. So the whole thing was to be in York, to be with him, to do that. But with New York, I, I mean, I suppose it was the same way what I loved in London. I would just wander. I'd, you know, get up and go into the city, then wander across some bridge or other, rain shine down the Thames, up the Thames. Cities to me cities are where things happen they don't happen in the countryside so I still love going back to London I I was there 25 years Mm -hmm. but now I'm in New York and you're just wandering down you go oh there's Empire State and it's been lit like this or Mm -hmm. I also like cities you walk I could never live in LA I love walking down streets and seeing the crazies and people smiling and All that sort of thing. And New York's such a walkable city.
1: It's amazing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes wonder whether the gloss is going to come off, but it hasn't yet.
0: Yeah. No, this goodness. Again, you have bad days. I mean, Avid family came saying, oh, everyone's so rude. I'm going, so one person was rude, and now the whole of New York's rude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, and there's back to that thing of the Brits going, uh, no, well, you're going to like this. This is from London. You're going to like it. And you're going, New York's going. I don't really care about London. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take your London and it's
0: your Londoner, and also Americans who've came to London, and I have to give them the places to go because I can send them to that great little restaurant still or send them to the John Soames Museum, or certain things in London that are really beautiful and unique unique to London, rather than the tourist thing. Mm,
1: mm. Wonderful. Alan, thank you so much for the the Big Apple. Thank you for transporting us to have a sensory experience at the Norwood, even just through listening to this podcast and um, all the- Just one
0: correction that I will say is, it's always Norwood, it's not there. And the reason being was, and that's quite important to me, was when we came up with it, well, the first one, we're going to call it The Point. But that was a joke so that kept saying, people are going to say, what's the point? Anyway, so then we changed it to, the building was built by Andrew Norwood. And in the 80s, and there was all these bands called The Something. And I felt as if it was arrogant and showing mm-hmm. your own importance. So I took the, the away and just called it Norwood. Because then people would say Norwood. So it's never Norwood Club, it's never Norwood House. When people phone saying, Is that the Norwood? We say, No, it's just Norwood. Because it's it strips it back to honesty rather than it being the. So I, I'm sorry if I feel some you off there. But it's quite important, is it's <laughs> Norwood.
1: That's, that's really, um, that's really uh, impactful. And thank you. And thank you for Norwood.
0: Thank and for you. for everything you're doing. <laughs> thank you very much.
1: You're listening to Brits in the Big Apple, brought to you by the British Consulate in New York. If you'd like to hear more about the work of the British Consulate, please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at UK in New York. Thank you for listening.